Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people who know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the following message. Everybody doing all right? You ought to be doing better after that song. Woo! And you don't have to preach after that. Goodness. And what a great way to start a service. I'm sitting here and I'm praying and I'm thinking, Lord, what more do I have to say? Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Thank you for the blood applied. Well, this morning, it's great to see you. I hope you're doing well. We're going to conclude our series in the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon that's ever been preached. We're going to conclude our time together in that sermon. It's been a great sermon. I hope you've enjoyed it. I certainly hope, I've I've had a great time preaching it. I've learned so much from Jesus. I hope you have as well. It's, you know, if you recall from Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, he shows up on the scene and he begins preaching a really strange message. Over 400 years of silence. Don't you think about that? For 400 years, God's people had not heard from him. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and he's preaching this message and he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And what Jesus is saying is, repent of your false loyalty to the world and all that it offers and give your life to me. That for all who do that, who believe on him for for what he was going to do, looking toward the cross, right? He's going to go to the cross. He's going to give his life for you and for me, for all who believe on him and him is the forgiveness of our sins, then you would be made a new citizen of a new kingdom. And so what Jesus is saying, he's ushering in this new kingdom. And then the Sermon on the Mount is just the instruction for how you and I, who have said yes to him, are to live on this earth. And so in the already but not yet, this reality that you and I live in this world, we are citizens of a kingdom to come. And so Jesus says, I've ushered in this kingdom, and we ought to be a people who live in accordance with the new values and the new code of that kingdom. And so the Sermon on the Mount is him just instructing, on a, uh, instructing us, how are we to live? What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus, of the one who's the king over this new kingdom? And so this morning is going to be the conclusion of that sermon. It's the conclusion. Now, every good speaker knows that there are at least three parts of a good message. And you probably know this whether you realize it or not. You probably know it as well. So there's an introduction, right? The introduction is to build some credibility, right? Establish uh, authority in the message, right? It's to give you a hook, kind of draw the audience in, right? You may drop your thesis or your main argument in that introduction, and then from there is the body, and the body is the story, or maybe it's the, it's the body of the argument that you've just stated in your introduction. And then there's the conclusion. Now, many would argue that the conclusion is the most important aspect of the message, because many would say that that's the last thing that the audience is going to hear of the message. And oftentimes, it may be the only thing that they remember when they leave. And so this morning, what Jesus is going to say to us is of utmost importance. It's of utmost importance. And here's what Jesus is going to leave us with. And this is what I want you, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. 
the foundation of your life matters. Who or what you build your life on matters. In fact, what Jesus is going to say to us today in this text is that the foundation of which you choose to build your life today will set the course for the rest of your life. Your foundation matters. The who or the what that you are building your life on matters, and it has the power to change everything about your life. And so if you've got a Bible, join me in Matthew 7. We're going to conclude our time together. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be in verses 24 through 29 this morning. So Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. This is Jesus speaking. Here's what he says. Everyone then who hears the words of mine, these words of mine, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat on that house. But notice this. But it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears the words of these words of mine and does them, does not do them, will be like a foolish man who has built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Great was the fall of it. What you need to hear this morning is that your foundation matters. The who or the what that you build your life on has the power to help you stand or falter in life's most difficult circumstances. If you know me well, then you know that I am a, probably strangely so, a high school football, Texas football nut. I love Texas high school football. As a matter of fact, December 19th, I don't know if it'll be 19th this year, but it is the the weekend before Christmas, I am always going to be in one place. It's my birthday present every year, and I've I've ensured that I'm going to be there because it's my birthday. It's the only thing I ask for. And that is, I go watch the Texas State High School Football Championships. It's a blast. I have a great time. I do all the research. I know where all these guys are going to go play football next year. It's a lot of fun. I love it. But if, 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 if you're from the Dallas area, then you're going to know what I'm talking about. In 2012, Allen High School built a huge stadium. As a matter of fact, it could fit 18,000 people for Texas high school football. That's crazy. That's a lot of people to show up on a Friday night to watch football. You know what that cost? You know what the price tag on that thing was? $60 million. Whoo, is right. That's a lot of money. And in 2012, their grand opening, guess what they found out? As they walked in, there were some hairline fractures up the wall. Y'all remember this? Yeah. Guess what happened? They realized that there was a fault, the design and the architecture was faulty, that they had a bad foundation, and that foundation led to these cracks up the wall to the point where they had to close this massive stadium and were not able to occupy it for the next three years. Can you imagine that? $60 million. Every time they drive by that stadium, they're reminded 
that your foundation matters. $60 million. On top of that, it cost them $10 million to fix all the problems that went wrong. $70 million is a reminder that yours and mine, our foundation matters. The way in which you choose to build your life matters. Because what Jesus says is great is the cost if we don't focus on the foundation. Your foundation matters. On the outside, this stadium looked incredible, but its structure was built on a faulty foundation and it cost them greatly. If your foundation is not good, your structure will not be stable. You may look good on the outside, but if your foundation is not stable, you will be crumbling on the inside. In the near ancient east, near the Sea of Galilee, if you, were to, if you were living in the near ancient east, near the Sea of Galilee, you would have two options for building your house. Did you know that? That's what Jesus is talking about here. There was a way that you could build your house. You could build it on the sand, right? You could go the easy route, a little less complicated. It's not going to cost nearly as much money, and you can build it on the sand, but what Jesus says here is that you can choose to do that. You can build your life on the sand, but here's the deal. When the rains come, and the floods swell, and the wind beats against that house, what's it going to do? It's going to crumble. And Jesus says there's another way that you can build your house. The other way is that you could drill down to bedrock, and then you could find bedrock, and then you would build your house from the bedrock. Well, Jesus says, hey, if you choose to do that, yeah, you know what, it's, it's probably going to cost you a little bit more up front. It's going to take a little bit more commitment. Be a little bit more time consuming. But here's the deal. When the rains come and the floods swell and the wind beats against the house, it will stand even the most tough storms that come. There's two ways to build your life. You can choose to build your life on the sand or you can choose to build your life on the rock. And that leads us to the question, who or what are you building your life on? Who or what are you building your life on today? If your foundation matters, then the first question that you and I have to ask and what we have to deal with this morning is who am I building my life on? In other words, where is your hope? Where's the source? Who is the source of your hope? You know, David writes a lot in the Psalms. If you, if you track with the Psalms, the Psalms are an interesting book. The book of Psalms is an interesting book. It tells of the highs and the lows, and yet David almost always says, but my refuge is in the Lord. What you find to be true in the book of Psalms is that despite life's greatest storms, there's one place that you can run for refuge. And that's in the loving arms of a heavenly father who would love you so much that he would give his son for you. Who or what are you building your life on? The question for Jesus this morning is our foundation. 
It's our foundation. His desire, the target that he has for you is not that you would just survive. Many of you probably this morning have come into this room, into this worship center, and you're just getting by. Moms, tired, exhausted kids, raising kiddos, school, all the activities, young folks, I hear you, right? Life is exhausting, it's tough. Many of our seniors, if it's not one thing, it's another. If it's not one health issue, it's another. So maybe you've come into this room and and you're feeling weary by life's difficulties. Listen, that is not foreign to the Christian faith. It's not foreign to the Christian faith. And and what I want you to hear this morning is that it is Jesus' desire, it's his hope for you, that you wouldn't just survive, that you wouldn't just get by, that you wouldn't use the word cope, but that rather you would be someone who thrives even in the most difficult seasons and times. And so the question is, is how do we do that? How do you and I thrive in the mess? How do you and I thrive in the difficulties? How do you and I move forward and make him the rock of our lives? Well, here Jesus tells us that our foundation ought to be his word. That's what he's saying, right? If you build your life on my words, if you hear my words and you build your life on my words, you will be like a wise man who in the face of storms, will stand life's difficulties. But notice that he doesn't just say, build your life on his word. What else does he say? He says, don't be just a hearer, but be a doer. He says, build your life on his word, but also, we've got to be a people who believe his word. And notice, there's a difference. There's a difference between sitting in a room and hearing the word and then walking away believing it and believing it to the point where you actually apply it to your life. Jesus says the wise man didn't just build his house on the rock. He built his house on the rock. He built his house on the words of Jesus, and then he believed them to the point where his life was different because of the word. He lived in obedience to the word. You know, James would go so far as to say that to be a hearer of the word and not to be a doer is to deceive ourselves into believing that we are something that we are not. He says it's like looking into a mirror and walking away and forgetting what you look like. It's also interesting in this text that much much like last week's passage, maybe you remember that. I hope you remember that. Last week's passage, we talked about that the great thrust the great thrust of the, of the sermon was that intimacy makes all of the difference. Remember that? We talked about the, the fact that it is our intimacy with God that leads to our obedience to Him, and that it's our obedience rooted in an intimate relationship with Him that proves that we are His in the beginning. It was that intimacy makes all the difference. This week, it's that foundation, your foundation, makes all of the the difference. He's speaking to a group of folks who what one author would say is like the Christian uh, audience today. These are not people who are indifferent to the words of Jesus. Rather, they're showing up voluntarily listening to what he would have to say. They're not being forced to be there. They could get up and leave at any moment. 
And yet they choose to stay. They choose to hear, sit, and listen to what Jesus has to say. And when one author says he would consider this today as those who are the visual Christian community, those who regularly attend church service, knowing that within this audience there are two groups of people. There are those who hear the message and do, and then there are those who hear the message and don't. The difference between these two groups, however, is not church attendance, it's not Bible knowledge, it's not being the best at Bible drill, or even being able to, able to quote the most scripture, but it's in their foundation, their belief and obedience to his word. So who are you building your life on? What are you building your life on? And then how do you know who or what you're building your life on? Ever thought about that? How do you know? How do you know that you're in the category of the group who hears the message and does it versus the group of people who hear the message and don't? Well, Jesus answers that in verses 25 and 27. Here's what he says. Jesus says, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds beat against the house. What's he talking about? Jesus is saying that the test of our foundation is not when things are going well. The test of our foundation is when they aren't. It's when the storms of your life show up on your front doorstep that reveal the strength or the weakness in your foundation. You know that you are a person who hears and does or hears and doesn't when the storms of life show up at your doorstep. Speaking of this text, Pastor John Stott, he writes this. It's really great. He says, as both of these men got, onto their, got on with their building, he says, a casual observer would not have noticed any difference between them. He says, for the difference was in the foundation, and foundations are not seen. He says, only when the storm broke and battered both houses with great ferocity, rain on the roof, river on the foundation, wind on the walls, was the fundamental and fatal difference revealed. It's the storms in our life that reveal the strength or the weakness in our foundation. I heard this from a mentor of mine a handful of years ago. He, he said, Logan, he said, you know that you're growing in spiritual maturity when the storms of life hit and you run to the cross versus away from it. You know you're building your foundation on Christ when the storms of life hit at your front doorstep and you have maybe a crisis of faith, so to speak, and you run to him rather than run away from him. Running away from him looks a whole lot like, I'm just going to pull myself up by my, my bootstraps. I'm just going to figure out the answer to this problem. Running to him looks a whole lot like hitting your knees and saying, God, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what the next steps are, but I know that you do, and I know that you're in control because your word tells me that you're the God of the storm. And since you're the God over the storm, I'm running to you because I know that you're in control of every single moment of my life. And so here I am. Do you run to him 
or do you run away from him? A few years back, one of the pastors that I've followed for the last probably 15, 20 years, I would consider him to be a mentor even though I've never met him, although I would love to meet him, so I'm not going to give you his name, uh, but, but it would be a guy that if I could, I would love to meet. But he tells the story about a storm in his life, and, and it's a pretty powerful story. You know, this guy, he's a super successful pastor. He pastors what we would consider to be a mecca church. Um, but there was a season in his life where the church is exploding, it's growing, it's thriving, doing all the things. Um, everything in his life seemed to be going really, really well. He's got three beautiful kiddos, wonderful wife, great church. He's been invited onto the to the conference circuit where he gets to speak to all these different audiences. Man, things are going really, really, really well for him until they aren't. On a Thanksgiving morning, gets up early, goes to the coffee pot, pour his first cup of coffee. It's just a, another great day of football, Thanksgiving, all of the things. And right then and there, he has a grand mal seizure. Hits the floor. His wife gets him to the emergency room, calls the ambulance, I'm sure. A couple days later, guess what he finds out? He's got a huge tumor in his brain. He's in his 30s. Lots of success. Great things are happening. He finds out that he's got two years maybe to live, at best. And he said, you know, the irony of my story, he said, is is, you know, I'm on this conference, speaker, this conference circuit, and I'm getting to preach and teach in front of thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And he said, I've been preaching Hebrews 11. Maybe you recall Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is, the, is, is known as the, the hall of faith. It tells the story of all the men and women who have come before us in their strong faith. As a matter of fact, the, this is how the, the writer of Hebrews would describe these people. He says, through their faith, they conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. They were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. It was by their faith that they did all of these things. And in verse 37, it tells us that many of them experienced great trials. They were mocked, they were abused, imprisoned, and some were even killed. And so this pastor recalls this story. He says, man, I've, been, I've gone everywhere preaching about all these things. And then he said, this tragedy shows up at my doorstep. And he goes, and I experienced a crisis of faith. Here I am preaching on faith. And yet all I can do is picture somebody else walking my baby girl down the aisle on her wedding day. And he said, it was in that moment that, that my faith, the bottom of my faith just fell out. And he said, I, it was right then that I realized that, that there was a crack in my foundation. That what I preached and what I said I believed suddenly realized that, that I was making my success, I was making all these things my foundation instead of Christ and his word being my foundation. It's easy to hear messages from week to week. It's easy, well, it's not easy. I was going to say it's easy to preach messages from week to week, but it's not. It's quite another thing to leave here and to believe what we read, to believe what we hear, to the point where it shows up in our lives and we're obedient to it. Especially when the storms of life 
show up on our doorstep. It's easy to hear it. It's quite another thing to believe it, to hold on to it, to find that it is your refuge, that it is your cornerstone, that God's promises are true and they're lasting and that they are worthy. They're worthy of your life. It's not when things are going well that we see our true foundation. It's when the storms arrive that our foundation is tested and proven sturdy. You know, I don't know about you, but I've never summited a mountain. I've always wanted to. I've heard it's, I've heard it's great. But one of the things that I've heard is that when you get up to the mountaintop, what you see is that um, there's not a lot of growth up there. As a matter of fact, it's cold, it's rocky, but it's standing on the, the peak of a mountain that I hear is you look out over into the valley and you see all the growth and the vegetation and the streams and the rivers. Of this, one author, he observes this. He says, everybody wants to be on the mountaintop. He says, but if you'll remember, mountaintops are rocky and cold. There's no growth on the top of a mountain. Sure, the view is great, but at some point, we must come off the mountain, go through the valley, and begin to climb the next slope. It's in the valley that we slog through the lush grass and rich soil, learning and becoming what enables us to summit life's peak. I think the point here is that it is in the valley where our foundation is revealed, and it's in the storm where our foundation is formed. It's in the valley where our foundation is revealed, and it's in the storm where our foundation is formed. And when our foundation is built on hearing the Word of God, believing it, and putting it into your life, putting it into practice, there is no storm big enough, there's no storm dark enough that can ever separate you from the promise that you have in Christ Jesus. Paul writes of believers in Romans 8, He says, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Because of who God is and what he has done for you in Christ. For those who have put your faith and your trust in that, what Paul is saying is that we are more than conquerors. We are not people who cope. We are victors. We are conquerors through him who loved us. He goes on to write, he says, for I am sure He's not leaving this up to assumption. He's confident of this. This is a deep conviction. He says, I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Cancer can't separate you from the love of God. Exhaustion can't separate you from the love of God. Confusion over uh, the uncertainty of life cannot separate you from the love of God. A wayward, way, a, a wayward child cannot separate you from the love of God. Nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And so what Paul is saying here is, Christian, get your head up. Get your eyes up. Quit looking at the things of the world. Quit looking at your circumstances and focus in on him. Put a smile on your face because you are a conqueror 
You are a victor. I love the word that he uses there for conqueror. He says it, it, it's, it's the Greek word nikeo. It's, it's where the brand Nike gets its theme from. It's that we are to be a victor, that no matter what we do, we are victorious. We're to be a conqueror. And so while we limp in life, we do not limp as those who have no hope, but we limp with those who have confidence. But you have to believe that it's true. You have to believe that it's true. And so while the storms of life can take all that we have, there is one thing that they can never take. And that is the foundation that you have in Christ Jesus, your Lord. You know, the story of Job is, is such an interesting story. We've talked about that a little bit in this series. But God is never, ever, ever not in control. He is always in control over Job and his circumstances. Jesus says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has all authority. In John 16, he reminds us that there will be trials and tribulations of many kind. But take heart because I have overcome the world. And because he has overcome the world, and you stand in him as his son, as his daughter, so too have you. You are not defined by your circumstances. You are not defined by your trivialties, by the tribulations in your life. But you are defined as a son, as a daughter, a citizen of a new kingdom. And that is an amazing truth that nothing else on the earth can offer you. Nothing on the earth can offer you. So Jesus concludes his sermon. Matthew records the response of the crowd. This is great. He says this. This is Matthew. He says, when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowd was astonished. They were left in awe. Why? For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. You could have heard a pin drop in the room as Jesus preaches the greatest sermon that's ever been heard. He was preaching as one who had authority because he did and because he does and because he forever will. All authority on heaven and on earth is given to him. And so the question of foundation is also a question of authority. Who has the authority over your life? Who gets the final say? It can't be you. It can't be a friend. It can't be mom or dad. It can't be grandparents. It can't be a politician. It can't even be a pastor. It has to be Jesus and his words. If you want to be able to survive but not just survive, but thrive in the world. Your foundation has got to be this. But it can't just stop here. You have to believe it to be true. 
and you have to allow it to transform your life. I am not here to just come and tell you good things you, could, you should consider. I'm here to preach a word that bears authority over your life, that you are to submit to, and that what you submit to, it transforms you. That's the whole point of Jesus' sermon, is that you and I would be people who look and have the character that he talks about in Matthew chapter 5, verses 2, all the way through verses 12, that you would be salt and light, that you would be different, that you would be a life preserver, that you would be light on this earth, that you would represent his light here, that you would understand that when you're angry, that you are to seek out reconciliation, right? That, that we're not to be a people who are lustful, that we're to champion marriage, that we're to do what we say we're supposed to do, that when it comes to retaliation, we understand that we're not to be a people who retaliate, but we're to be a people who forgive. We're to love our enemies. We're to be a people who are generous with all that we have and all that we are. We're to understand what it means to come before the Lord in prayer as he instructs us in Matthew chapter 6. We're to be a people who fast, not for more of the world, but for more of God. We're to be a people who understand that we're to invest in the kingdom, not in the things of this world. We're to be a people who have a non-anxious presence in the world, that we can offer hope and refuge to a people who do not have hope and refuge, whose lives are, are, are riddled with fear and anxiety. We're to be a people who do not judge, but who love. We're to be a people who are, have bold faith and who have persistence as we pursue Him. We're to be a people who bear fruit, who do to others what we would have people to do to us. We are to be a people who build our house on the foundation that is Christ and on His Word and by believing it, we are transformed. Jesus concludes his Sermon on the Mount with the reality that he has come. He's ushered in a new kingdom where he is king and he holds all authority on heaven and on earth that all who put their faith and their trust in him are invited to be in this new kingdom. And in this new kingdom, you and I, his followers, look different. We are to look different drastically different than the world and by and in so doing we offer them we offer them an invitation to experience true peace true joy true hope in Jesus your foundation matters do you hear the word do you believe it? And are you living it? Does it work itself into every nook and cranny of your life? Your foundation makes all the difference. Would you pray with me? Father, there are so many things that we can build our life on. We can build it on fame, we can build it on money. We can build it on houses, cars, relationships. 
status, clothing, power, comfort, where we can build our lives on a multitude of things. But the problem is, is that what your word reminds us is that when we do that, when the storms of life come, we're going to falter because there's an error in our foundation. There's a crack in our foundation. Whereas on the other end, Lord, I pray, God, that we would be a people, Father, who look to you, who look to your word, and as Jesus has said, God, not be a people who just hear the word, but Father, that we would be a people who believe it, and by believing it, we would be a people who live it, and that by living it, God, we would truly be the salt of the earth, the light in the darkness so that people might look to us and we can point them back to Jesus who transforms everything. Father, I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says that when we behold the glory of God, we are transformed into one degree of glory to the next. God, may First Baptist Belton be a people who are transformed by your word as we hear it, believe it, and obey it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
All right, church, well, it's great to worship with you this morning. Thank you so much for choosing to worship with us. A couple of things that I want to bring to your attention. The first thing is, as many of you have asked, where are we on the hilltop? Yeah, yeah, the moment you've all been waiting for. Well, I don't have much to tell you. <laughs> you just thought. So here, here's, here's what you need to know. I do want you to know that the question or the conversation has begun. Okay, so this last week, you know, intentionally, I made the decision early on alongside of the elders that what we needed to focus on most important, most importantly, was not the hilltop, it was us. Um, in light of all that we've been through over the last couple of years, what we needed to do was just come together, and we needed to be unified, and we needed to focus on just being a healthy church, okay? Not that we've arrived at that, we're going to always be pushing for that, okay? So I just want you to know that in the, the last few months, the hilltop just hasn't been a priority. Um, it just hasn't. Um, and, and, and even today, it's still not a primary priority. What's most important is seeking first the kingdom of God, understanding that all these things are going to be added to you. Okay? So we're going to pursue the kingdom of God. We're going to pursue one another. And we are gonna be, uh, we're going to prioritize those things. Yet, at the same time, I do want you to know that it is important. And so we began those conversations this week as to, okay, Lord, what are our next steps? What are our next steps? So that is the, uh, the really, the, that's all that I got for you, is we're pursuing the next steps. We're trying to figure that out. Okay, so be in prayer for us, please. We need all the prayer that we can get. We need God's wisdom far more than we need our own wisdom. And so please be in prayer as we consider, okay, Lord, what's the future look like? What is this? Where are we going? What is it all? Put all the pieces together, okay? So that's that. Secondly, um, in light of the priority, the priority, again, is that you and I would pursue the kingdom and we would do it together. And so next week, guess what we're doing? We're starting our discipleship series. So it's the discipleship pathway. Many of you probably remember this. Uh, a handful of months ago, we had a day of vision, and I talked about uh, being a multi-generational church where all people are engaged in the mission to know Jesus, serve Jesus, and share Jesus. That's our mission statement. And then out of that, we know we're doing that when all of us are connected, when we are growing, when we are serving and we are multiplying. And so we're going to begin a new series as we talk about each one of those things and why they're important. And the reason, being, the reason why they are important is because I believe with all of my heart, right, that this is Jesus' desire for you and for me, that we would be connected with him. We'd be connected with his body. Right, that we would be growing in our knowledge and our love for him and for people, that we would be serving, that each and every one of us would be serving his kingdom in the body and in the community, and that we would be a people who are multiplying ourselves, that we're actively evangelizing, that we're actively multiplying the kingdom by discipling others. And so we're going to talk about that discipleship process over the next eight weeks. I'm really excited to get going with you. You're going to see a couple of changes. Don't panic. 
I know change is a scary word right now. You're going to see a couple of things. You're going to see some banners, some pop-up banners. You're going to see some really cool things around the church to just remind you that this is the priority, that all of us are connecting, we're growing, we're serving, and we're sharing. Okay, so it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to getting to to do that with you. Um, So here's what we're going to do. We're all going to stand, which is stand. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're headed out, okay? Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for the the grace that we have in Jesus, that no matter what we face, Father, we can be more than conquerors in Christ who loved us, loves us. God, help us to stand in that truth. Help us to leave this morning not as hearers only, but doers. God, I pray that you transform us, that this community would look different because of who you are and what you've done for us in Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.